Hey, thanks for joining us here on The House Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by this message. If you want to learn more about The House, check out our website at welcometothehouse.com or download The House app. Man, I'm glad that y'all are here. Listen, we're going to do church. We're going to do church. Man, we've just had a great day so far. And um, man, I want to thank you guys for coming. I want to thank you guys for being here. Uh, listen, um, your life, your life is, um, man, it, it is significant. It, listen, it is significant. And I, I never want you to hear so, so much that we begin to receive so little. Um, that, that's a parent thought. It, it's very easy for us to say the same thing. Come on to our kids that they begin to go, yeah, uh uh-huh. And they think they know the end of the sentence, but the reason that you're telling them again is because they're actually not doing (laughs) what you've been telling them. It's a crazy thing to know the truth, but in the moment, not live it. And, And here's something that I want us to just talk about, is I believe that your life has value, significance, significance. And so, but here's, here's the crazy thing, is we are in a culture that has shifted what it means to be legendary. And so, you know, now it, it, it's like legendary status is reserved for people who wear 23 on their jersey. You know what I'm saying? Legendary status is for people who win MVPs and championships. Legendary status are for those who can make it a reality TV show. Come on and redecorate everything and make Waco famous. Come on. That, that's, what, that's what legends are made of. Me and my son have this conversation on the regular. He's like, Dad, and he tells me this name of this person who goes viral. Yeah. Uh, Dr. 57243 Slasher, whatever. And uh, he was like, he had all of these likes and whatever on TikTok and whatever. And I'm like, who's that? He was like, Daddy's a legend. And I was like, how old is he? And he, he's like, he's 14. And I was like, he can't be a legend. <laughs> He actually cannot be a legend if he's 14. It's like, Dad, everybody knows this guy. And, and, and it's crazy in our society because now it's like legendary status is who goes viral on social media. But we used to not be that culture. Legendary status used to mean more about giving than acquiring. See, we used to be a society where it you you became legendary by what you gave, but now it's almost like if you want to be legendary, if you want to be the boss, if you want to be that person, then you know what? You have to amass some greatness and have some success. Come on, does that make sense? And, and, and me and my family went to a branching show this last weekend. And before the show started, the, the, the person who was beginning the show had everybody stand up and we began to give honor to veterans. They had everybody stand up and we began to clap. And there was a, a, an older gentleman, a veteran, who was um, sitting on like two chairs down from us on the KD side. And I, and I kind of went like this and he had a little tear coming. And, and I just thought, you know what? Legendary status used to mean people gave significantly they gave a lot and as we unpack today um we are taking up our annual heart for the house offering and in every service we've just been overwhelmed by generosity and by what god is doing here and i I want to talk to you a little bit just kind of have an us moment where our church body is just talking a little bit I think that I want you to know that in you right now is the capacity to become legendary. It's not based on how much you make. It's not based on your social calendar. 
It's, it's based on what, come on, listen, you give. The idea of becoming legendary is you making a deposit that will affect somebody else that may not even know your name. That's why we stand and honor veterans. It's not because we understand their loss. It's not because we understood their struggle. It was the fact that they fought, bled, and died for people they didn't even know for people that don't even vote like them, for people that don't think like them, but they gave them the option to live a life free. Come on, does that make sense? For us, we, our assignment today is becoming legendary. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24 through 26 says this, the world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who is blessed, come on, is that anybody here? Somebody like, I don't know. Can I tell you blessed isn't a cuss word? Come on, listen, can I tell you blessed isn't bad? I don't care what Netflix says. Listen, listen, okay? The one who, is ble who blesses others is abundantly blessed. And those who help others are, what does it say? Helped. There is something legendary about giving. And today we have an opportunity to accelerate the vision of what God is doing here. And I believe with all of my heart, and I'm going to unfold this today, that I believe this is the smallest we will ever be. We are in the middle of the coronavirus. We are in the middle of people. I just talked to one of our church members uh, this morning. That their, their, their grandma passed away. I mean, the, the truth of the matter is this is affecting people. And we are in the middle of something that none of us have ever gone through before. Okay? So, so that's it. Um, and, and in the middle of this, God has still been moving in and through the house, and I believe that it's God's plan for the house to multiply. Why, do, why can I say that with all confidence? It's not because we're a better church than somebody else. We're not a competitive entity. I'm for Cross Church. I'm for SoCo. I'm for Catalyst. I'm for any church that you can name. I'm for them. In fact, we got a message today asking. Uh, there was a, a, a church that was a, a Spanish slash Puerto Rican church that wanted to use our building. And I said, man, you know, you, you can't use it on Sunday, but, you, you know, Monday's open. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, like, we're, we're for other people. But before something can multiply, there has to be giving. You, you may not have thought this when you came in today, but someone did some giving for you to experience what you just experienced already. There was a chair that you didn't have to pay for. There was a, the decoration you didn't have to set up. There was a worship team that came on Thursday and come every Thursday to prepare, to get ready, to ready their hearts so that you can walk in and feel a moment in the presence of God. There are sound people that I'm talking about the most stressful job in the church. Come on, somebody, is the sound people and the computer people trying to get every slide, everything spelled right. And here's the deal. They're only putting in my stuff so so every time someone's like, you misspelled something, it's me. I did it. You know like the truth of the matter is, the struggle bus is real. Come on. There, right now, there are people with your kids ministering, loving them, and going to the next level and have come to a service already. They've attended one and now they're serving one just so that they can be available, listen, for your young person so that they can pray over your baby, so that they can speak life and make the gospel come alive for your little tot age. So that in children's church, they can have a friend and laugh and understand the life and who Jesus was. Listen, before there's multiplication, there has to be giving. Multiplication always happens after giving. You know how I know this? Because I gave Katie a ring and we got a family. Come on, somebody. Like four kids. Four kids later. Come on, somebody say multiplication. Listen. 
Listen, for us, um, Katie and I gave ourselves to teaching leadership uh, to people who would come and listen. And because of that, we have gained spiritual sons and daughters um, in the faith. And, and so we've seen this giving and we've seen this multiplication. The truth of the matter is, if we look at multiplication, multiplication always follows giving. Think about creation. Seed, time, and what? Harvest. I don't care what sermon you hear. I don't care how they make you hoop, holler, dance, get excited. You don't go seed harvest. There is no prayer that moves you from seed harvest. It's seed time harvest. The seed has to be sown for the harvest, come on, to come. What about the covenant? God gave a son and reaped a family. What about the gospel? Think about this. Why do we care about missionaries and people going to other parts of the world? You know what? We, why is that such a pivotal part of the gospel? Think about it. Someone has to go. Someone has to disciple. And then we empower. And all of a sudden, a work is created. So what, what is that go? That go is someone gives. Someone gives money to send someone. And then someone says, yes, I'll be a part of going. And I'm going to give my time to go there. Come on. What about planting church? For us, when we planted this church. I mean, I appreciate that all of you are here now. But I'm like, man, that would have been awesome when we started. You know, listen, come on, does that make sense? Like, like we had to start... And honestly, I'm so glad that you didn't come, all of you, at that one moment because you would have left because we've been learning. We've been growing how to do this. We've been trying to figure this thing out. You know, I was telling someone the other day, like, it was like, what do you, what do you, what do you, how do you kind of make decisions and what do you kind of do? And I'm like, I'm pretty strategic. And he was like, really? And I was like, yeah, I jump over the fence. I always find out there's a dog there. And then after, after I jump over, I'm like, hey, you guys coming after me. Don't do it this way. There's a gate. <laughs> but, but nevertheless, come on, by faith. We planted this church. We started giving and serving people. It started to grow. And I'm telling you that there will be many houses all over this area. There will be one in Springdale. There will be one in Faith. I don't know. I don't know what God is going to do, but it's in our heart to see that happen. And you may be saying, well, are you going to pastor all? I'm, I'm going to say right here. <laughs> I'm saying in Rogers. Listen, listen. Uh, but, but someone else, I believe, is going to come up and come through. And, 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 and Timothy says, don't lay hands on a man suddenly. And so it's, gonna, it's not going to be fast, but it's going to be sure. Listen, as we look, I guess what I'm trying to say is I want to be known for not sparingly. I want to sow as much seed as I can. Come on, somebody. I want to, I want to do that. I want, I want you to be like, wow, when I go to that church, you know what? Instead of tennis elbow, I got sewing elbow. I'm just like always oh, sewing. My joints are hurting because I'm sewing so much. It's a sew injury. I have a sewing. Have you ever been church? You know, some people have been church hurt. We've been so hurt. <laughs> Get it so hurt. So <laughs> anyway, all right. So that was a lot better than I got credit for. I'm just telling you. That was it was cheesy. My, you know what? I I have a daughter and she's she's wonderful. Um, but she, now every time I say a joke like that, she's like, "Dad joke," and it's like it automatically diminishes everything that I say. And I'm like, I earned this. I earned this. Um, so so here's the thing: we want to see it grow. We want to see it multiply. There's a great. Um, um, story here in the Bible. Matthew, um, John chapter 6, verse 5. John chapter 6, verse 5. I want to kind of read this. And many of you are familiar with the feeding of the 5,000. But I, I, my hope is that the Holy Spirit will bring out something that you have already heard or maybe you already know about this passage. And maybe you'll see it in a new light. John chapter 6, verse 5. And it says this. Lifting up his eyes then... We're talking about Jesus. And seeing a large crowd was coming toward him, 
Jesus said, to Philip, can I stop real quick? Because we are actively always training leaders, I, I want to give you a leadership thought. And when I say I want to give you a leadership thought, I don't want you to immediately dismiss this thought as if I'm not talking to you. Because the truth of the matter is, everyone in here is called to be a leader. You are called to lead yourself through self-government. You are called to, come on, lead your life in such a way where you would live the gospel and you would impact people. If you're a dad, you're a leader. If you're a mom, you're a leader. Come on, does that make sense? If you're a grandparent, you're a leader. And so I just want you to know that whatever phase and position of life that you're in, I want to give you a leadership concept. Busyness is not always the most effective approach to getting something done. If we are always busy, then we cease to have visibility. Jesus had a moment where he was on the top of the hill and he had visibility to see what was coming. I meet many people who through the enemy's trickery, deception, and attacks, they have been so busy that they've lost visibility. And can I tell you that a leadership concept is this great leaders guide thoughts rather than just correct action. When we're in the position of always just correcting action, we are actually observing the mistake rather than setting up the win. If we are always telling people what they should do, then we don't have a place of visibility to see what they could do. Come on, does that make sense? So it's very important for our dads, our moms, in our marriages to keep visibility because problems are coming seemingly. And if we don't know what's coming ahead of us, can I tell you that if you're starting to talk about dating with your daughter at 15 or 17, you've lost visibility. We start talking about that at 6. Not because we're putting pressure to date, but because they're already thinking about who they want. Come on, does that make sense? Visibility. Jesus saw something coming. And he knew that what he was interpreting would be different than what the disciples interpreted. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this. Right here. And, uh, and he was talking to Philip. Jesus said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat. Hey, Phil, where are we going to buy the bread for all those people coming? You see all those people right there? Oh, yeah. It's like, whoa, that's a lot. Okay? He answers him. I have people on staff like this too. Um, they immediately answer with data and a figure and how much it's going to cost. Uh, I'm not going to call any names, but uh, uh, <laughs> I'm like, hey, we should do this. And the guy's like, actually, here's how much this will cost. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm not going to tell you any names. He's over here in this area. Um, I would have never done that, but this is third service. And so I really, we're family. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and, and, and we actually love that gift. So I'm not, I'm not making fun of it. I'm just saying that. I, this is funny to me. All right. Don't read the Bible like spiritual homework. Courtney, you're laughing because you know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh, listen. I think we're, I don't know. What are we talking about? Okay, 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 okay. Two denarii worth of bread is not enough for each of them to get a little. One of the disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter, his brother said, that, that was a long title. You know, like Andrew, Simon, brother, Peter. Okay. There is a boy here who has five barley loaves, two fish. But, you know, uh, what is that with so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. Now, there was much grass in that place. So the men sat down, about 500 in number. So just the men. Jesus then took the loaves, 
And then he had give, when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. That's interesting, seated. So, that the, so also with the fish, as much as they wanted. Everything that you read in the Bible is consistent, intentional. Um, there are no, uh, every jot, every tittle, every line in the Bible was written so that you would begin to ask the question, why is it there? I, I find it interesting that before the multiplication, there had to be expectation. Jesus began to move the disciples in such a way that they could see what was coming. And the Bible says, I don't know if you saw that, but it says that Jesus said that to test him. Test him. Because Jesus already knew what he would do. That's literally the line that it said that Jesus did that to test him. Can I tell you that in, there will be times in your life when you will be tested. There is a difference between tested and tempted. God does not tempt any believer. Why would it be wrong for God to tempt a believer? Because God knows you inside and out. And if he tempts you, he actually is fueling the thing he knows about you. And he knows where you struggle. The, James tells us that God will never tempt us. But he will test you. How are we going to figure this out, Phil? Phil? Well, I don't, I don't know. I've got some money here. I don't know what we're going to do. Uh, can someone help me? Can I get a lifeline? You know what I'm saying? Like, like, like they're, they're working this thing out. And Andrew, Simon Peter's hand, comes up and says, there's a boy that has a, a Lunchable. Uh, we could take that. Like, I don't know about you, but I just... Have you ever done a lot of ministry or fun with like 12 guys? And you're, maybe you're sitting here and you're a woman and you're like, I never have really done that. But you have to believe that there was a moment where all the guys, when Andrew said, hey, we got a Lunchable that all the... That's your brother. <laughs> Peter's like, <laughs> Mom made me bring him. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like, that doesn't even seem logical that your response to 5,000 men walking towards you, a sea of people coming. This is not counting women or children. The estimation is this is around 10,000 people. This massive crowd is coming. Jesus is talking about feeding them, and you are going, I have a Lunchable. And many of you, 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 you actually feel like you're in that place right now. There's a calling of God on your life. There's something big in your heart. There's something for you to do. And the task feels so great. And what you have seems so small. And you feel like you're about to step off with a Lunchable trying to feed these people. Going, dear God, how is this going to work? It's not enough for me. Come on, does this make sense? And I want to give you just a thought as you begin to rise in your expectation. Jesus says, have them sit. What expectation was beginning. See, here's the deal. God will always bless order. And he said, sit them before we serve them. In other words, there were probably some people in the back that were like, what's going to happen? I'm not saying that's anybody in here. You know what I'm saying? That's more of a second service. But, 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 come on. But, 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 um, <laughs> if you're watching the second service, you know I do that to everybody. So <laughs> it's like my kids. It's like when I, when one of them comes up and they'll whisper and they'll go, Dad, you love me more. I'm like, absolutely. 
And they're like, ah! And then the other one will come and go, Dad, what? You love me more? Absolutely! <laughs> and so I'm sure they're all going to talk at my funeral uh, and be like, guys, I need to tell you, Dad loves me more. He told that! It's all going to come out. And I'm going to be in heaven. <laughs> I know, it's twisted. Um, here's the thing. Is, is you have, that people have to be, they have to sit. There, there has before God begins to multiply something, he wants to find out if people will surrender, submit, begin to, like, well, can I be ushered by the disciples? Can I sit? See, God will never bless this order. That's why the, the, the fish and the loaves and the miracle did not happen, listen, before there was order. Sit them in groups, sit them down, and the ones that sit down, we will feed until they're full. Here's what I want to say to you. A lot of people, once COVID gets done and the vaccine, and wow, 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 whatever happens, I believe that we will begin to attract people who've been watching online. And here's what I need you to know, is that we're going to want to feed the ones that want to come and sit and we believe there are some people who need to sit. Like they don't need to serve yet. They need to sit. They need to heal. They need to let God move in their life. They need to let the Holy Spirit minister to them a little while. But here's the goal is we're trying to get people to sit so that we can feed them. So that they can so they can get healthy enough to serve and continue on learning what Jesus has to teach them. Come on. Here's another thought that I want to give you. When... You are about to encounter a meeting with Jesus. He will never leave you, listen, with a snack. I meet so many people who come in and Jesus says you can have much bread and fish as you want. Don't ever come to one of our services and leave with a snack. Come on, get full. Get full. That's why we lift our hands. That's why we worship. That's why we stand in worship. That's why we have ministry moments. That's why we pray together. That's why we go to the Word and we spend a deep amount of time understanding the Word. So can I tell you this? When you are sitting, even those of you who come to multiple services, and I am so grateful that you do, take notes, learn, grow, because you don't know that what this season is doing in your life. Come on, listen. Listen. Devin in the back. Noah. These people that you've come to multiple services, God is imparting something. Because there's a lot of people that go through one sermon and they retain like 5% of it. But now you're getting all of this content. Come on, listen to what I'm saying. And it's for where you're going. It's not for where you're at. Eat as much as you want. Take notes. And listen, when you get back out into the world this next week, pull out what God has been speaking to you rather than Feasting on Hulu and Netflix and Prime that will leave you empty, fill up. That's one of the values of coming. The truth of the matter is, there are three things that I want to give you if you haven't gotten anything so far. And if you haven't, whoo, your heart's hard and you get saved. We're going to talk about this little boy, and we're going to see three things that he did that I think if we do, we could become legendary givers. The first one is this. The first one is this. To become a legendary giver, you have to value what you have. You will have, you will have to value what you have. Listen, listen, now that I have been a pastor now for five years in the ministry for almost 30, it is amazing to me if you were to ask me what is the greatest hindrance of the church. It is people coming that have digested lies that do not understand their value and have forgotten that at conception the Holy Spirit gave spiritual gifts to you so that people could thrive and the body of Christ could expand but because you don't have the gift you want or you're not in the season you want you devalue and 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 really delegitimize what is going on in you because you don't feel like you have the status of somebody else 
Before the foundations of the earth, the Holy Spirit gave out gifts. Administration, leadership, mercy, prophecy. You know, like, like these gifts were going out. And can I tell you something? That you have a gift. You have a gift teach you have a gift to lead you have to give a serve you have you have a gift and the reason you come to church is to do two things is to get healed enough so you can use your gift and then use your gift so that you can heal someone else. like like this is the the stirring that happens when you come come on and so when we have as a society a weak church it's because we have insecure people who do not know that even with my flaws and fallacies and hurts and hangups, I can still step into what God has for me and I can be a blessing to the body of Christ even though I'm not, come on, perfect. Whenever you devalue what you have, you will never use it for the kingdom. Whenever you begin to devalue what you have, listen, you begin to discredit what God has given you. And the Bible speaks very highly, very intentionally about the fact that the things that God has given you do not despise them. But actually recognize them, step into them, and it is your responsibility to develop them. Come on. Here is a young boy who has a fish and some loaves. And the truth of the matter is, it looks small and it looks insignificant. And here in a moment, we're going to take up this heart for the house offering. And you may say, Pastor, I can't write the big check. I only have something small. I only have this. I only have this that I can give. But I am telling you that if you ever want to enlarge your capacity, you've got to begin to give, come on, what you have. And here's what I need you to know. There were 5,000 people there. Are you telling me that with all that we know about personalities that there were no sixes on the Enneagram that thought we're going to hear Jesus for a while and we better pack a lunch like I know some of you in this auditorium and I know full well listen if you ask me how to spell onomatopoeia I'm not your boy. If you ask me the capital of different states, I'm not your boy. But if you ask me when lunch is, I got you all day long. Come on. Like, you don't have to worry about that. My parents were like, what's your favorite class? What's your favorite sketch class? Lunch. All I'm saying is this. <laughs> Thank you for snorting. <laughs> listen, listen. I, all I'm saying is this, listen, was it that there was no lunch or was there that nobody would give it but one young man? See, see, here's the thing. If you don't begin to value the small thing that you have, it will never grow into a big thing. I, I remember um, uh, um, a story from... Uh, one of our worship leaders and the guy that did announcements today is they, they were talking to me uh, a couple weeks ago um, about this story. And I, I want to share their testimony. I thought it was so powerful. Um, they had been in an apartment and they were starting to get antsy. Like, oh, man, when are we going to get out of this apartment? We're frustrated. Ah, why, why isn't God moving us forward? Why aren't we excelling? Why aren't we moving forward? We got dreams. We got dreams. And um, And really, they began to change their heart. They begin to use what they had. They begin to value, listen, what they had. And they begin to have people over. They begin to do life groups. They move somebody in to one of the extra rooms. And they begin to value the small thing that they had. And just three or four weeks ago, they moved into a new home. Listen to what I'm saying. Why would God bless you with more if you devalue what you have now? Why would God, okay, I'm coming for you. Why would God bless you with a good marriage if you're devaluing the marriage? You... Come on. We all want the good life, 
But the truth is, we've got to value what we have and we've got to sow into it. We've got to sow into it. We've got to raise our level of expectation and we've got to value what we've been given. The second thing is this, we've got to recognize the moment. This young man recognized the moment. The moment when his lunch was now on display. And I'm sure he thought, I'm hungry. Like, like oh, I, I, I packed this because I want to eat it. I, if I give it, I won't have it. Come on. Can I tell you that God's plan will always take you where you never expected? I need to tell some of you control people this. Come on, I'm one. I'm recovering control. Listen. I need to tell you that while you think that you are incredibly in control, you are not totally in control. You are not. And come on, listen. If, uh, if uh, Carrie, what's her name? Carrie, did you just take the wheel? <laughs> what, what, underwear? If, if, she could, if she could write a song about Jesus taking the wheel, you need to go on and give the wheel up. Because the fact of the matter is, listen, God is going, if you really let him lead your life, he is going to take you further and he's going to take you on a journey that you don't get to ultimately control. This boy didn't wake up thinking, today I'm going to be legendary. (laughs) He didn't think that for the next however many years they're going to be talking about my snack pack. Like like he didn't think, come on somebody, he had no idea that he was going to show up in this moment where now we're going to be talking about him. Yesterday, I was so excited for our church as men from dad life and other people who came and gave out Christmas trees. And I know what you're thinking. Many of you may have saw that and go, a Christmas tree? Couldn't we have given someone a card? Couldn't we have given like some food? But can I tell you this? Everything looks insignificant before you hear the stories. But the stories that we heard was that a 12-year-old girl had never decorated a Christmas tree before. And she was given a Christmas tree. And when she was given that Christmas tree, she started to cry because she had never had one. See, another story was a woman who has five children drove from Missouri to here. They've been in a rough spot. Their son has a respiratory disorder. And, and, and she drove up here. And we got to recognize the moment. We got to pray with her. We got to love on her. See, see here's the thing. Uh, there was another story about this disabled grandmother who now has custody of two teenage kids who had no money for a Christmas tree. And we just recognize the moment and so yeah it's a christmas tree but i need you to know that god uses things that seemingly see seem insignificant to do a mighty work and what happened was there were just a few men that said i have a truck and they came or just a few women that said i have some time and they came and what i'm telling you is when we recognize the moment church we begin to minister to people come on All the time I'm praying, Lord, give me eyes to see. Give me ears to hear. I don't want to walk through life and miss moments. We don't want to miss moments with you. But we don't want you missing moments with other people. Maybe you just moved to Northwest Arkansas. And you're looking for a church and you find yourself right here in this moment. Maybe you started a business. And I believe, come on, this next year, I believe there's some businesses that are going to start. I believe there are people that are going to step into some dreams. And we're going to teach you with leadership how to move forward with some things on your heart. And I'm telling you that I believe there are moments that we find ourselves in that nobody told us were coming. Hello? (laughs) Time's up. I need to recognize my moment. Listen, the third thing is this. uh, This boy gave freely. Gave freely. 
I already know what this boy was thinking when the disciples came up and asked for the Lunchable. Listen, and you may be like, well, how do you know, Pastor? How do you know that Jesus, his disciples, didn't go and snatch that lunch right up? I can tell you that I, I, I don't believe that the disciples, even though intimidating, come on, to a young man, to a boy, 12 men walking up, going, what you got there, kid? I don't believe that they manipulated him and pulled it from him because Jesus fulfilled all the law. And the law says, thou shall not steal. The reason that this boy has come to our attention is because he gave what he had freely. When the disciples came and said, the master hath need of it, the boy relinquished it. Now, here's the thing. The more you come to our church, the more you will look around and you will see a younger congregation. And the lie could be where I am not needed here and I don't fit in here. But the truth is we are trying to raise a multicultural, multi-generational church that has color and has age. But if I'm going to be truthful, it is the young people that are generally more willing to give. There were 5,000 men, and we read about a boy. Come on. There were 5,000 men, and we read about a boy who gave. And we read about him, even though we don't know his name. And isn't that the idea of becoming legendary? Is you're giving to advance something that people... They never know your name, but they receive ministry, come on, by what you did in secret. See, here's the thing about giving is we may never know your name here, but when you are in heaven, come on, and you are standing at the mercy seat and Jesus begins to tell you what you did and all the saints are surrounded, that will be a time, come on, listen, for incredible honor where everyone will stand up for you. For you. The praise isn't for this moment. Would you give freely? We want to encourage you, no matter what age of life that you're in, value what you have. Recognize the moment and give freely. Real quick, I want to put something up here. Uh, just just real quick. And um, Nathan, if you'll go ahead and come up. I want to show you three slides just because I want you to see that God has caused us to work well at learning how to have order. To sit people so we can serve people. And what we are going to see is when we started in 2016, every year we've grown. Even in covid We've had a 19% increase because our online presence have grown. And people, we now have 58 families, people that watch online. And so we've actually grown one in person. But our online presence has grown where people are watching consistently. And they just can't be here in person because of what's going on with their life. And so every year, this is growing. Every year it's growing. What that means is we are getting better at serving more people. We're getting better at serving more people. Here's the deal. This, this year alone, we've had 224 people sign up to serve. This year. And, and you, that's not a... Can, can I tell you about numbers real quick? Listen, numbers tell a story, but they're not the story. I'm not into numbers. When my kid turns 15, that's wonderful. I want to know, did he learn what he needed to learn between 14 and 15? 
See, numbers tell a story of salvation. I don't need 40 million people saved and nobody doing the work of Jesus. That's why we are here uh, and we're talking about spiritual transformation because for us, for us in this church, it's not just one act. It's salvation, it's baptism, it's Holy Spirit, it's serving, it's giving. And every one of these is another threshold that you say, it's not my life, it's your life. It's not my life, it's your life. And what the house is doing is it's creating this body of believers that live the same outside as they do inside. They live the gospel message. Because of your posting and sharing, we've had, we have 700 views a week. What you don't know is your friends have been reaching out to us through messages. Messenger, will you pray for our marriage? Will you pray for my kid? A couple today in the second service. Will you pray? We've been watching you guys all. Will you pray for us? See, the truth of the matter is, it's not just an insignificant little like and share. It's significant. For us, over the last couple years, we've seen people come into relationship with the Lord. We've seen people move into leadership and take next steps. That's why we have the next steps room. And let me just say this. When we, as we begin to move forward, we want you to help us move people to the next steps room. Because the, everybody wants to figure out, how do I connect here? And we have a team ready to say, hey, we want to get you connected. We want to get you. We don't want you to try to jump through hoops and come for seven weeks in a row before you meet a friend. Jump to the next steps room and we want to get you come on connected we have people who've been at church for a long time that didn't know that there was spiritual freedom available for them go ahead and put that next slide up look at this this year alone we've had 194 students from babies to teenagers checked in this year at the house This year, in the middle of this crazy year, we've had 108 people move through freedom. And why do we care about freedom? I had a couple uh, not too long ago ask me, like, why, why do you really want people to go through freedom? And here's what I begin to share with them. The truth of the matter is we want every leader to go through freedom because here's what happens is we believe there's a call of God on your life. And what takes people out of ministry is the rejection and the past and the brokenness that we've all experienced. And we need to know what the enemy's lies are so that we can identify them so that we'll, so we will not be hurt, come on, listen, by people in our life, but know that it's just part of moving forward to what God has for us. 108 people this year have moved through freedom. 223 people in the last semester of life groups Come on, 23 life groups, 54 outreaches in one year. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand clap. One more slide, one more slide. This year we've had 230 people give a donation, a gift, a tie, a, a, something this year. This year we've had a, we, we, we now actively have 116 people that regularly give on a consistent basis. It doesn't matter how much it is, but they're regularly giving consistently. Come on, that's incredible. But we believe for us to go where we want to go, we want that to increase. We want that to increase. Here's the thing is that in the middle of COVID, for those of you who are business people and you understand percentages, I want you to know that we've operated this year our budget at 76%. That means we're not living to our means. I don't know if you grew up in a church where, you know what, (laughs) they needed Sunday to survive. I'm telling you, we're doing more than that because we're sowing to our future. This year, we've given, we've given this year in COVID, $63,000 in benevolence, 
missionaries, missions, money. Come on, does that make sense? We're turning money into ministry. That's good. Come on, if you're going to clap about that, then I want you to clap about the next number. And then in the last five years, we're not even five years old yet, and we've given $147,000 to move the gospel forward. Come on. Come on. It seems like, oh, we're just a house. It's, it's insignificant. It, it's, no, 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 no. It's not insignificant for those people who are on the mission field. It's not insignificant for those people helping people. It's not insignificant for those people that got a bill pay. Come on, it's not insignificant. And you're a part of that. Babe. I just think of all of the relationships that have been built since we've come here, started the church four and a half years ago. And I just think of all the lives that have been transformed and the lives that have began a journey in a relationship with the Lord and with other believers as we've started the house and how I've seen so much growth in people and families strengthened, marriages strengthened, and honestly, so many people reached beyond the walls of this place. And I do believe that the house is very much needed in this community. And that there are more and more stories that we haven't heard yet that are still to be told as we continue to walk out the vision that God has given us here. And so one of the things that excites me the most is those numbers for Next Generation. I love seeing all of our young families in this church and over three services. And you see all the babies and the toddlers and the kids and the students. And I believe that this offering is not for us. It is for the next generation, the church that's going to go before us, which is so important for us to care about. If we only care about what we get today, that means that we haven't answered the call that God has asked each and every one of us to answer, which is to go and share the gospel and keep it going. The best way that we can do that is through our next generation. And bottom line is our space in our kids area we are running out and so that's a really good thing and a really good thing but i know that this offering is going to help us go further to make sure that we have the space available so that more lives can be transformed through our next generation ministries you know one of the greatest groups in need in our society is young families people that have been married less than five years that have one child and here's the truth. It doesn't mean that we're not ministering to everybody. So, so don't trip. We're ministering to anybody who walks in the door. But the millennial generation has grown up with so much compromise that feelings are above everything. Our church is answering a call. Come on. To help people move forward and establish what it means to be a victorious believer. And if you're over that demographic, then you're now a coach. Welcome to the party. If you're under that demographic, we're preparing all of this for you. If you're in that demographic, I'm telling you, we wrote freedom and, and, and leadership and marriage and all of this so that you could establish your life. And build your life, come on, on the rock. Come on, does that make sense? You got to stand up with me. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear how this message impacted you. Feel free to let us know on the Contact Us tab of the house website. We hope you have a great week.